back to another episode of City of Desert. I'm Father David Abernethy and throughout these past months we've been considering the work of the Philokalia, in particular a specialized volume that includes writings on the prayer of the heart and uh, we've been reading over these past weeks St. Hezekiah's text on sobriety and prayer. And Hezekiah has been guiding us through, over these past weeks in particular, the importance of sobriety and the constant invocation of the name of Jesus and uh, why it's so important and uh, the powers and faculties of the soul that are to be formed and fostered uh, in its development. Uh, in the following paragraphs, however, uh, Hezekiah begins to draw us more deeply into the battle that is fought. How is it that we oppose distracting thoughts? How is it that we deal with feelings of despondency and despair? Uh, how is it that we engage in that constant invocation of the name of Jesus and why it is so important in the battle, in fact, the essential element that makes us victorious within the battle? And so in the following paragraphs, we'll be looking at uh, this particular warfare in greater detail, how we have to uh, develop the habit of virtue and intensify our zeal each time we find ourselves falling away from the practice in any measure. Uh, we begin today with paragraph 129, if you're following along in the text, on page 305. Hezekiah begins by saying, the mind returns from negligence to its natural state and to sobriety if, as soon as we feel it cooling, we again intensify our zeal and once more with warmth and diligence set it to its habitual work, sobriety and prayer. So in the spiritual life, it becomes important that once we begin to have an inkling that uh, we are falling into a kind of negligence, when we experience a kind of cooling uh, in our zeal for the Lord and for the things of holiness, it's important to step immediately uh, back into that spiritual warfare, to not let any time uh, pass before we, we repent of that negligence and to take up the, the habit of virtue once again. He continues on by saying, the miller's donkey cannot go straight ahead but must move with the grindstone to which it is tied. It goes round and round on the same spot until the grindstone is stopped. Similarly, the mind can make no progress in the virtue that creates perfection, that is, the progress in sobriety which leads to perfection, if it does not put the inner man in order by stopping thoughts turning round and round. For such a man's inner eye is always blind, and he has no possibility to see virtue and the radiance of Jesus. And so long as our thoughts continue to go round and round in our mind, like a donkey going around and around pulling a grindstone, we are going to be blind to that which is virtuous, 
we are going to be blind to the beauty of our Lord as well as the uh, constant invocation of, of his name. And so there, we have to bring a, a, a cessation of these thoughts with every ounce of, of power at our disposal. He continues in 131 by saying, A good strong horse gallops joyfully when the rider mounts it. In the same way, the mind rejoices in the light of the Lord when it enters his house in the morning, free of all thoughts. Spurring himself on, he will pass from strength of active mental love of wisdom to miraculous strength of contemplation and of ineffable mysteries and of the virtue. And so our discipline of reigning in the thoughts uh, to such an extent that we wake in the morning uh, with a desire for the Lord and immediately free of thoughts, turn our minds and our thoughts to Him, uh, we move from this natural strength of discipline and habit of virtue to a, uh, uh, a kind of heavenly strength and an ineffable uh, strength of, of the kingdom or a miraculous strength, he calls it. So the virtue of Christ, uh, his strength becomes our, our own. We begin, begin to pray in the power of the spirit of the Lord. And so not only are our minds and our hearts free from distracting thoughts, but they are raised up now by the very strength and the power of God. And he says, and when at last he receives and absorbs in his heart the measureless depth of high divine thoughts, then the Lord God of hosts will appear to him as far as his heart can contain him. Then filled with wonder, the mind sings praises to God who sees and is seen and who saves the man whose eyes saves the man, the eyes of whose mind are turned towards him. And so after uh, developing this habit of virtue, and once we gain purity of heart, then we come to gaze unhindered upon the beauty of God himself, that we are caught up in contemplation of our God, and we come to experience the joy of that contemplation. And so we see this stillness brings great joy to the heart, uh, but as we will see, it also brings great hardship. Uh, the pursuit of this involves great labor and, and toil for, for the soul. In paragraph 132, Hezekiah picks up by saying, Silence of the heart practiced with wisdom will see a lofty depth, and the ear of the silent mind will hear untold wonders. And so we will be exposed to, to the very mysteries of the kingdom. We will come to see and to hear things that are, are not worldly but heavenly. But he goes on to say, setting out on a long, difficult, and trackless journey and fearing to lose his way home, a wayfarer sets up signs to mark the route and so help him to find his way back. A man journeying on the path of sobriety and likewise afraid must use the words of the fathers as Mark showing him the way, lest he go astray or turn back. And so we can come to fear what this path will bring to us. And we have to have at our disposal the words and the teachings of the fathers that we can take hold of. Uh, that's why it is so important for us to read something such as the Philokalia 
and uh, not only come to uh, a knowledge of what the fathers teach us, but to put it into practice over and over again and to, to memorize it so that their words are at hand to renew us in spirit, but also to guide us back upon the, uh, the right path. In 134, he continues on by saying, but for the wayfarer, returning to his starting place is a source of joy. While for a man who practices sobriety, return does harm to his intelligent soul and is a sign of turning away from deeds, words, and thoughts pleasing to God. Then in the death-bearing sleep of his soul, he will have thoughts which will prick him like spikes and wake him up, reminding him of the depths of darkness and debility to which he has sunk through his negligence. And so for those who are walking uh, on this path to greater intimacy with the Lord, uh, do not want to turn back like wayfarers when they become fearful. We want to stay on the path that leads us to, to the Lord. And when we turn off of that path, when we are led astray, we will very quickly see arise out of the depths of our unconscious, uh, of our sleep, uh, things that will prick the conscience. We will see the, the, the darkness of our sin, the debility of it, and uh, how it is a path that leads us to ruin. Uh, what we see arise out of our heart is often uh, a good sign of where we are in the spiritual life. And Hezekiah tells us that we are to keep a careful eye on us because it shows us how far we have sunk into negligence. In paragraph 135, he says, If we are cast down into trouble, despair, and hopelessness, into helpless extremities from which there is no hope of extricating ourselves, we should do as David, pour out our heart and our supplication before God, and show our trouble before the Lord's, such as it is. For we confess to God as to one who can wisely dispose all that concerns us, and, if need be, make our distress light, easy to bear and easy to cast off, and free us from the harmful and destructive trouble. And so, as always, the thing that uh, is most helpful to us in the spiritual life is, is humility, that when we find ourselves in distress, uh, when we find ourselves at a loss because of our negligence, we want to call out to God for help, uh, acknowledge our negligence in humility in order that God might uh, come to us swiftly, give us the grace, the aid that we need uh, to place us once more on the right path. In 136, Hezekiah tells us, unnatural anger against men and ungodly trouble and despondency are all equally destructive of good and intelligent thoughts. But if we confess them to the Lord, he disperses them and brings back joy. And so, again, anger or that insensitive power that we spoke about in the last uh, episode, if misdirected and dir or directed towards others or directed towards self in a kind of self-hatred, uh, can lead us astray. And so, once again, we have to move very quickly in humility to confess this before the Lord in order that he might heal us that this kind of despondency or self-hatred or hatred and anger towards others 
is not easily overcome or something that we would muscle our way through. Again, it's only by the grace of God that we can be lifted out of it. He writes, prayer to Jesus, practice with sobriety from the deepest thoughts of the heart, destroys the thoughts which have insinuated themselves into our heart against our will and our dwelling therein. So deeply ingrained thoughts are only overcome by the invocation of the name of Jesus. It is only by the power of his name and by his grace that those sins that have taken deep root within us, the passions, can be uprooted. We shall receive much relief and joy in the distress we we suffer from the multitude of useless thoughts if we reproach ourselves sincerely and impartially, or if we confess all to God as to a man, a close friend. By these two means we shall find rest from all that disturbs us. So a humble confession, a humble acknowledgement of our sin is the way, and the quickest way to healing. Uh, This certainly has been the wisdom not only of the fathers, but of the church throughout the centuries, that not to refrain uh, from the confession of our sins, either to another or within the sacrament itself. Uh, This is the surest means of finding ourselves once again upon the path of grace. Hezekiah then uses uh, a few images for us, uh, drawn from the Old Testament in particular, to uh, describe for us something of this spiritual battle and what it looks like for us. He uses the images of Moses, Aaron, and finally Lazarus, Uh, as a means to showing us what we should be, how we should be focused upon God, how we must rebuke our thoughts when they are led astray, and how also we must curb our emotion in the spiritual life. And these will be the three final paragraphs that we consider for today. The Holy Fathers regard Moses, the lawgiver, as the image of the mind. He sees God in a flaming bush, His face shines, and he is sent to the Pharaoh as a god by the god of all gods. Then he strikes Egypt with plagues, leads Israel forth, and gives the law. All this, taken allegorically in a spiritual sense, depicts the functions and the prerogatives of the mind. And so Moses becomes for us an image where all the faculties of the soul are functioning in the way that they are meant to, the appetitive, the incentive, and the intellective. And all of these, when rightly ordered, direct us towards God and accomplishing his will as Moses did. And Aaron, he goes on to say, the brother of the lawgiver, serves as the image of the external man. Thus wrathfully hurling accusations at him, the external man, let us speak to him as Moses spoke to Aaron who had sinned. What did Israel, the mind which sees God, unto thee, that thou that hast brought so great a sin upon them, making them abandon the almighty living God, our Lord, that thou hast enticed them by thoughts away from the contemplation of God and sobriety? So if you remember, within the Old Testament, it is Aaron that encourages them when Moses was up on the mountain to form and fashion 
uh, molten calf in order that they might worship the Lord, and so leads them astray. And he becomes the image for us uh, that must be rebuked. Whenever we are tempted by our thoughts to turn away from Almighty God, to uh, turn towards worldly things, to idolize them, as Aaron and the others idolized the, the calf, we must, with great rigor, as Moses did, rebuke the Aaron within ourselves in order that we might be brought once again back to the right path. And finally, he writes, among many other good examples, our Lord, when preparing to raise Lazarus from the dead, showed by the fact that he forbade the spirit that we must, by strict forbidding, curb our soul when, like a woman, it gives way to a weakening excess of emotion and generally strive to establish a stern attitude towards ourselves. This attitude, I mean self-reproach, can free the soul from pandering to itself, from vanity and pride. So it may be a little unjust here that Hezekiah speaks of women as having an excess of emotion, uh, but uh, I think it's true for all of us. Uh, certainly that we will let our feelings, our emotions, get the better of us in the spiritual life. And uh, these things, whether they be loneliness, fear, anxiety, uh, feelings of, of, of love, of intimacy, uh, of all these things can draw us astray from the right path. And so we, like uh, the Lord, must curb that spirit that would immediately uh, draw us uh, uh, by that emotion to, to do things that we feel that immediately need to be done, rather than staying with the Lord and acting in accord with His mind and His will. If you remember, uh, with the raising of Lazarus, the Lord has them remain where they are uh, for three more days, uh, precisely in order that the glory of God might be manifested in the, in the way that the Father desired. Uh, this, of course, allows uh, Lazarus to die, and uh, he's even gently rebuked for it, that if he had only been there, Lazarus would have been raised, he would not have died. Uh, and yet the, the wisdom of God is, is what guides uh, our Lord, the wisdom of, of, of the Father, to wait in order that a greater glory might be made manifest. Uh, this is often very difficult for us in the spiritual life, that we often do not want to wait upon the Lord in order for Him to manifest His power and His glory. Uh, we want to take things into our own hands uh, in order to prevent certain evils from happening or to prevent certain sufferings from having to be endured. And so we will often be driven more by our emotion uh, than by what reason would tell us uh, or what our prayer would uh, guide us to do. And so we must curb that emotion and allow the Spirit of God to uh, direct us in accord with the mind of the Lord. So these were wonderful instructions, I think, from Hezekiah. Uh, 
and the nature of the, of the battle and often things that we don't attend to or hear discussed very often. Uh, how it is that we attend to what's going on within the mind and the heart uh, and also in, including our emotions that we don't allow ourselves to be misled or follow our own will or desires in any way. And so that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. And uh, I thank you for joining us once again, and I look forward to seeing you soon.